What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. Uh, I applied for a Fulbright scholarship earlier in the year, and I heard back as a, of a couple of weeks ago that I was announced as a fi- finalist. Um, awesome. to Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, to research refugee health in Jordan. And it kind of shows us continuity. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really proud of myself to say that, like, I built, you know, Arabic, uh, enough Arabic proficiency to conduct um, research uh, abroad and, you know, continue the extensive research that I've done within refugee health literacy locally. That is Adam Elzarka who is graduating soon with a bachelor's degree in medical sciences and liberal arts at the University of Cincinnati. Hello, I'm your host, Venkatram. Adam was really interested in STEM while in high school. He loved tutoring and mentoring other students, especially in anatomy. At that time, he was really into dentistry. He in fact entered college as pre-dental but soon the breadth and diversity of medicine captivated him. Adam joins us on our podcast to share his undergraduate college journey at the University of Cincinnati about double majoring in medical sciences and liberal arts, mentoring refugees, the co-op program, winning the Truman Scholarship, critical language scholarship, and his advice for college bound students. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. Programs and um, services offered here at UC, the medical sciences program, which I was accepted to coming out of high school, Mm -hmm. um, really focuses on uh, experiential learning, service learning, um, really showing you what it means to be a physician or a healthcare professional before mm-hmm. actually going to graduate school. I found that there was this gap where, um, you know, we would walk into the course, uh, into the class, mm-hmm. and our teacher, um, the main uh, English language learner teacher, would be teaching over uh, 30 students. And mm-hmm. it's important to keep in mind each of these students. Um, They speak a different language. They have a different English proficiency, different culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you enter a class like that, it's like, okay, like, you know, um, how many, how many of these students can pay attention, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, With the Truman, what's really exciting about it is that it uh, re-envisions public service and offers programming to guide students on how to really succeed in their roles for uh, public service. Um, I have worked as a uh, student researcher in a basic science lab um, Mm -hmm. in the Cincinnati Children's Hospital as part Mm of the neurology department with um, Dr. Matthew Skelton. Um, And uh, I've learned a lot through that experience because uh, one thing that I will say research has taught me is that the importance of patience. The... And then for, you know, high schoolers who are entering college or who are um, 
thinking about college, I think college is a great time where you can uh, switch your interests. Uh, I have been set on dentistry for about all four years of high school, first year of college, and I found myself switching just because I found it fit better with my values. These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters, Alma Matters. Matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For my newsletter, visit almamatters.substack.com. Nah, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Adam. So without further ado, here is Adam Elzarka. If you're ready, we can jump right in. Sounds great. I'd love to share a little bit about my experience and time at the University of Cincinnati. Awesome. Okay, so maybe the best place to start is um, just give us a general overview of your experience so far what, at University of Cincinnati. What, what's it been like? Yeah, so I think uh, my time here at UC has led me to explore in a variety of coursework, um, being able to uh, really delve into the experiment, experiential learning uh, mm-hmm. that medical sciences offers, but also... Um, learn more about the humanitarian part of healthcare with my liberal arts degree, mm-hmm. uh, really diving into language, learning Arabic, and mm-hmm. as well as learning about philosophy and psychology. Uh, and overall, you know, kind of the support system, the mentorship that's here at UC really allowed me to learn more about the refugee and immigrant experience, which mm-hmm. has probably taken the majority of my time, my work, um, of uh, extracurriculars, but also various involvements um, here so far. So let's start a little bit at uh, the point where you decided to come to UC. Why why did you pick UC? Uh, So my uh, uh, father actually works here, and I found that to be, you know, having support system so close Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm originally from Cincinnati, so uh, being close to the city, being close to family, uh, I think that, you know, adjusting co- to college, it is very different from high school. I mean, you have a lot of freedom with your time. You have a lot of freedom with the courses that you take, with your interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of uh, freedom is super beneficial. Uh, but at the same time, it's important to have that uh, support system there. So um, family uh, has meant a lot for me, you know, they've supported for me. And I also um, wanted to support them in, in what I can um, throughout college. Uh, that was the main reason. Um, and two was kind of the programs and um, services offered here at UC, the medical sciences program, which I was accepted to coming out of high school, mm-hmm. um, really focuses on uh, experiential learning, service learning, um, really showing you what it means to be a physician or a healthcare professional before mm-hmm. actually going to graduate school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to gain that experience, it's, it's so rare to find within any college. Uh, to gain, you know, uh, clinical experience uh, working in the healthcare setting before um, actually pursuing a more formal role um, in, in the profession. It's very, it's very, very valuable. Um, and I think that uh, the medical science program does a great job at building community. I found, you know, friends for life within, the, within my cohort and within older and younger cohorts. 
Um, and I think this, you know, idea of, you know, building each other up is very, very strengthened within the program. Um, and it's something that I've valued throughout my past four years here. And it's actually why I uh, am very favored toward, toward uh, what um, medical sciences has done for uh, my life. And I'm sure a lot of other medical sciences students would vouch for the same. Did you always want to study medicine? Uh, was that something that uh, growing up was a passion or interest? Yeah, so actually, funny story. Um, I started uh, college um, being pre-dental. So mm -hmm. I was really interested in the dental field. Um, I found, uh, I did a lot of uh, high school activities around dentistry, participated in you know, dental terminology competitions, mm -hmm. um, interned with a dentist to learn more about how to make like a crown, how to do different prosthodontic procedures, how to make a bridge. Um, and one day, you know, I realized like, you know, dentistry is great, but I love the diversity that lies within medicine. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I wasn't, to be honest, I, I don't think I was ready to narrow down to a specific like organ, you know, like dentistry, yeah. do a lot with, you know, the mouth, um, the head, um, kind of all of those like oral anatomical and physio physiological structures focused there. Yeah. I don't think I was ready to really like choose a specific um like organ or specialty and i found that medicine had that perfect flexibility where you can really learn about um the, the whole body of course in dental school you do pretty much a lot of the same coursework some coursework differs but to have that diversity in you know not only in um uh, practicing clinically but also in um uh, occupying multiple hats like working as a community physician working um, on a nonprofit board or in uh, the government sector. Uh, mm -hmm. And I found that uh, medicine kind of had more flexibility with that. What else were you interested in high school? What, what were you like in high school? Yeah, so I think high school me would uh, kind of, uh, you know, you know, share a lot of the same values as me right now. You know, I had a lot of interest now and I had a lot of interest back then. Mm -hmm. um, I was uh, involved in a lot of uh, education uh, mentorship programs. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, had some time within the Science National Honor Society and mm -hmm. uh, where we created a basic STEM curriculum for a lot of elementary school students um, so that they can enjoy, you know, explore some, um, some things in like robotics, explore some things um and different like water structures um but yeah so i think like a lot of a lot of the times like when we think of like mentorship it, it kind of it's pretty continuous you know you gain knowledge you give knowledge and i'd say that's a common theme you know high school me um really uh delved into tutoring um mm -hmm. I, I love tutoring tutoring anatomy i think like anatomy is such a cool subject when you mm -hmm. you know look at the human body when you uh are able to break it down part by part, seeing how all of these different parts work together. It really amazes me. It really is super amazing to kind of see um, and to then share that knowledge uh, okay. with students who are also interested in the subject. Um, yeah, so I'd say like mentorship, um, uh, tutoring, um, all of this kind of you know started when I was in high school a lot younger. 
Um, and uh, my, my passion for dentistry as well lied, lied there then. Um, and it kind of translated to what I've been involved with in college. Did you do any um, other uh, kind of extracurriculars, maybe some arts, some sports while you were in high school or um, were you predominantly occupied by these other things that you were talking about? Yeah, so um, I actually delved a little dip into computer science. Mm -hmm. uh, I found, you know, computer science is like learning another language. Yeah. Um, and uh, I liked learning um, like you know, I studied Spanish for a little while, um, but I found that um, most of my interests really were were really STEM related, um, yeah. and ended up being STEM related. Um, yeah, yeah. I think okay. something that I wish like I uh, put more time into was kind of learning more um, Arabic, just on my own, self study. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, I've had the time to do so in college at, at UC. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, looks like you uh, made up for it, right? In terms yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or better, better still, you got the opportunity to do it, which is great. So, yeah. What was that transition like in the academics uh, area? Yeah, so I was um, very fortunate um, in high school. I took a lot of... Uh, collegiate classes like AP bio, um, AP chemistry, which mm -hmm. made uh, the transition a lot easier because some of the material in those classes uh, repeated um, in some of the college courses I took. Of course, I'm always learning something new um, and college classes did go some, uh, some more in depth. Um, yeah. But that one on the coursework uh, scale, what well, made it really interesting. Um, and two, I think having the flexibility to choose my own classes in college. Um, mm -hmm. I actually started out with a minor in business administration my freshman year. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, not really being into business. I took an accounting course. Again, mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting, but really couldn't get it to stick. I was like, you know, I like looking at, you know, liabilities, um, like net to liabilities, debt, all of that to look at like net worth and stuff, making all these spreadsheets. Uh, but couldn't really find like a passion in it. I know it's an important concept to know, but couldn't find my passion in it. I said, hey, let's step back. Let's look at what, you know, values really pertain to me. Um, and that's where I knew, like, I really, I truly wanted to learn more um, about, you know, what uh, refugee resettlement looks like and mm -hmm. what um, immigration looks like. And what inspired this, kind of what inspired this, um, is that when I was younger, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the times, you know, early teens, my parents would play uh, these news clips of yeah. the Arab Spring. And, you know, you have these very horrific scenes. You know, you have, yeah. um, unfortunately, people being run over by tanks. You have uh, orphans crying for their parents. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, these death tolls, you know, the media reporting about these big death tolls. And as a kid, it was really hard to process that. My parents helped, helped me process that by emphasizing unity, emphasizing that a lot of these catastrophes, you know, they're not forever, for one. Yeah. And then for two, you know, you really help solve them by bringing unity amongst the people. Mm -hmm. um, and going into my freshman year, I actually had the chance to explore that. So there was this uh, organization on campus called Refuge UC. I saw mm -hmm. 
a post about it on social media. I was like, okay, that sounds really interesting. Let's um, get more involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what ended up happening was um, I, I ended up interviewing, I got accepted, I joined, um, and I met my mentees, uh, Mamadou and Milton, and uh, great mentees, but um, there was a huge language barrier where our first few sessions, we just communicated over Google Translate. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, with any language barrier, that's what's expected. But what I found is that, you know, as our sessions progressed and progressed, um, this so much joy and, you know, fostering and sharing this cultural exchange. When I'm able to share, you know, my uh, background as an Egyptian and also hear, you know, their cultural backgrounds, their educational backgrounds, their hopes, their dreams, and being there as a facilitator, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these students, they put in the work, they have the drive. Um, and my role as a mentee, as a mentor is just to be there as a facilitator. So mm-hmm. um, I know this is very, you know, I've been very tangential, but my, my freshman year was definitely a transformative experience in how I would think about things, you know, um, uh, there's, uh, uh, in our studies, when we look at like the social determinants of health, we mm-hmm. find out that, you know, the biggest thing that determines someone's health is where they're both there, where, where they were born, their zip code. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you bring in like refugee and immigration, you can kind of see like a lot of these social determinants of health where you have all these students, you have all these parents, these communities who have that drive, who are putting in the hard work. Um, but, you know, there, there aren't enough resources to go around. So mm-hmm. kind of building those like early really re- realizations of those concepts my freshman year was paramount um, to how I would grow as a leader, how I would grow to think about these issues. Um, and I think like uh, I found it very invaluable. Um, now, I also remember freshman year right before my spring break um, was when the COVID-19 pandemic was announced and, you know, everyone was thinking at the time, okay, like two weeks off, um, then we'll come back. But we ended up staying in lockdown for more than a year. Um, And I found, you know, that that is, you know, a life changing experience for everybody. I think like Mm -hmm. the sudden change um, and not only like school life, work life. um, I know I, I lost plenty of opportunities. I was supposed to research that summer. Um, loss of income um, and also, um, you know, uh, just uh, loss in health um, Mm -hmm. as well. So uh, that, again, that was probably more of an adjustment than what going into college has been. Um, And, you know, I'm very grateful for the support my family has had uh, during that tumultuous time. Um, And I think that that uh, time period had a lot of reflection where, I wondered how can I grow as a leader um, in this new environment, this new space, um, and how can I bring on different initiatives that I would like to see? Yeah. Let's let's sort of follow up on that. So, you know, how did you um, take all that you that you learned about? you know, about refugees, about health, about being a mentor, and how did all that translate into what you did next with it? Yeah, so I think at the root of it um, was 
finding the issue. So finding the problem. When we entered schools my freshman year, we had around like six mentors. We were, you know, very um, educa- higher education focused organization where we would love to connect all of our mentees to uh, different stories from college, different stories about our culture. Um, and I found that there was this gap where, um, you know, we would walk into the course, uh, into the class, mm-hmm. and our teacher, um, the main uh, English language learner teacher, would be teaching over uh, 30 students. And mm-hmm. it's important to keep in mind, each of these students, um, they speak a different language. They have yeah. a different English proficiency, different culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you enter a class like that, it's like, okay, like, you know, um, how many, how many of these students can pay attention, you know, because there's so many barriers, there's so many language barriers, there are cultural barriers, some students resettled a few months ago, some students have been living in the States for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my perspective, what uh, the mentorship program offered is a way to act as an equalizer, where mm-hmm. each mentor can kind of customize the mentee's educational experience. Mm-hmm. And um, in that sense, it's mentee guided. Like the mentor yeah. would ask the mentee, you know, what do you want to work on today? Do you want to, you know, look into financial aid? Do you want to look into college applications? Are you interested in applying for jobs? Mm-hmm. There are so many different, um, you know, opportunities when that one-on-one facilitation, when that one-on-one coaching, when that one-on-one mentorship is involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, again, it's at no fault for the teachers. Yeah. Um, there's only so many resources to go around, especially within public schools. Um, and I think uh, Aiken High School, which is the primary, which is the main uh, high school that we worked with, um, mm-hmm. has done a great job at not only growing the program, but making sure the students are fe- feel, inclu- uh, feel included. Mm-hmm. Um, to give a quick example before I go into like how all of this reflection, this learning kind of transitioned into what came next. Um, mm-hmm. Aiken High School provides a, a garden for um, students, mm-hmm. and students have the opportunity to grow and plant gardens from their home countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just bringing a piece of your identity at school. That's a place where, you know, you can now feel like home. So huge mm-hmm. props to Aiken High School. They're doing great things. Um, and uh, kind of taking in all of those realizations, as I said, the lack of resources, you know, the importance of this mentorship program. Um, the following year, I was the vice president of the organization. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Refuge UC. Um, mm-hmm. And as vice president, again, COVID is still going on. It was my first time really in a leadership uh, position. And mm-hmm. I was very, you know, I knew that a lot of my friends, I've talked about Refuge a lot of my friends were really interested in this cause. So mm-hmm. working with, um, you know, our primary contact uh, uh, of the English language um, uh, ESL supervisor, Mr. Parker, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he told me that, you know, mentoring really can't happen that fall semester. So fall semester, sophomore year, we decided that mentoring stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, you know, from any leadership role, this would be devastating. But yeah. at the same time, you know, you can take that feedback and expand um, in other ways. So what we did is we partnered with Refugee Connect, which Mm -hmm. is uh, another local nonprofit in Cincinnati. um, And they provided cultural competency training, goal setting training, so that when our mentors are ready to mentor, when, you know, the pandemic subsided, uh, Mm -hmm. when schools are able to, you know, get 
back on their feet more, our mentors are ready. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where I first grew in my leadership skills. Like, you know, a setback happens. There are other opportunities to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, uh, around that uh, time, I remember having conversations with uh, my mentee. So this is, again, flashback to freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just talking about the example of going to a doctor. So, you know, visiting a primary care physician, what that looks like. And my mentees, you know, uh, uh, did not know too much about how that's scheduled just because mm-hmm. they had a local doctor at the school clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of, you know, this feedback kind of delved into an idea on to create a uh, curriculum on health literacy. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, this curriculum was created um, I created it with uh, another uh, peer of mine, and uh, we got feedback from a physician on how to improve it. Cover topics as nutrition, uh, mental health, preventative care, um, mm-hmm. and we were able to, you know, go into these schools, facilitate these curriculums. And what's really key here is that um, a lot of a lot of the times, you know, um, what gets in the way of entering the communities is a power dynamic. So, you know, what we would tell students, again, this is all happening virtually. We're still living in a pandemic world, um, mm-hmm. co- completely pandemic. Everything is still closed. So we would just tell students, hey, you know, we're students just as just as you. We just graduated from high school a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And we were really able to have these like robust conversations with students um, mm-hmm. about a lot of these topics. Um, and it was really interesting. Teachers told us, you know, like uh, a lot of these students were most engaged with us virtually, virtually, like you'd have students, you know, open their cameras, um, engage with us in the chat, um, and really share their stories, um, share Mm -hmm. things related to their mental health, Mm -hmm. um, talks about stigma, um, especially within, within uh, these classrooms. But um, all of that is to say that uh, kind of those realizations really cementing an understanding of the problem, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, also, um, having like any obstacle come in the way, just those two things combined, um, when you have initiative and also when you have resiliency, you can really come out stronger. So mm-hmm. we ended up we ended up starting mentoring again our spring semester, sophomore year. Then junior year when I became president, um, we pushed along and we actually grew the program to over 60 mentors. So again, you know, all, all that we're doing is getting people on board with this mission. Um, and making sure they understand that, you know, when they're entering these communities, um, their opinion, sure, it's it's important, but not as much as important as the mentee's opinion, you know, that the mentorship is really guided under the mentee. It is a very Mm -hmm. community-centric program, Um, and I guess a quick note to add is, uh, like, all in all, I think when we think about leadership, when we think about these interactions, um, it's great that the program has grown so much. I mean, over 60 mentors from the six I originally started. Um, mm-hmm. But what really matters is like the interactions that are happening between the mentee and mentor. I mean, mm-hmm. these are very, you know, it's not just a number. These are stories. These are weekly interactions. Um, mentors show up. They're consistent when sometimes the school system has uh, its sudden changes, which happen without with every every educational system. So, um, really glad to have been a part of the program to able to expand my impact, to lead its change, um, and uh, yeah, just one one of my experiences. Yeah. 
Let's talk about your uh, becoming a Truman Scholar or winning the Truman Scholarship. Um, how did that come about, and what what was that? Um, what was that celebrating? Yeah, so the Truman Scholarship um, is one of uh, the nationally competitive awards that recognizes the nation's uh, next generation of public service leaders. So I first heard about the scholarship uh, during the end of uh, my, or first had it in mind, I should say, um, during the end of my sophomore year, um, mm-hmm. which where I was awarded the Bourne Scholarship, which is a language learning award. We can, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But mm-hmm. um, with the Truman, what's really exciting about it is that it uh, re-envisions public service and offers programming to guide students on how to really succeed in their roles for uh, public service. So mm-hmm. I, I was about one of 58. Uh, it consisted mm-hmm. about, um, not sure about the direct number of essays, but the essays talked about uh, an example of leadership, an example of public service, um, mm-hmm. and additional information section. Uh, so choosing where the, uh, where you would attend graduate school um, mm-hmm. and also uh, cr- uh, short-term and long-term career plans. So it's a, it was a very extensive mm-hmm. application. But what was great about it was that it allowed me to connect um, my why, um, kind of referencing um, my childhood, the values that I grew up with, what I was inspired with, uh, with my present, you know, my current work with Refuge, my current work um, at uh, our local emergency department um, with the future, which is mm-hmm. what I hope to be, you know, what mm-hmm. I hope to continue with this values. And mm-hmm. for, you know, an application to do all of that, I've never had to envision something like that before, but it was just great. It was really great for me to envision um, me living the life that I was writing down um, and that I was sharing with the interviewers from the foundation. What, what do you think made the difference? Why did you get selected, I guess, is my question. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Because um, I know just hearing from, you know, the committee, the foundation, my uh, advisor, um, that a lot of the finalists, that a lot of that people that apply are more than qualified to get the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my speculation is uh, really understanding um, you know, the issue of refugee crises, the issue of immigration, more so in a how that uh, fits domestic policy. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, what really cemented uh, was in the interview where um, I was able to bring up different, um, you know, issue, current issues about policy where I kind of saw, um, and I'll, I'll still advocate for it now, this change um, within not only like U.S. domestic policy, but global policy and how accepting countries, governments are of refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and what argument made uh, really for this was uh, we kind of saw a shift in the United States government um, who increased their refugee caps. We saw a shift um, after the Ukrainian and uh, Russian war, which is still continuing yeah 
of yeah. you know Poland opening up its borders, um, almost increasing its population by forty percent of uh, of intaking Ukrainian refugees. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of these changes that are happening within you know um, governments around the world um, that show that you know uh, the you know the refugee crises of the world are being taken more seriously as a humanitarian issue. Um, just last month, to, to give another quick example, the mm-hmm. Office of uh, Refugee Resettlement um, opened a, a private pilot, a pilot private sponsorship program where Americans can fund and privately sponsor uh, refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like a lot of these changes signify that there is a heavy interest in advocacy. Um, and I kind of saw that at the local level, you know, when growing out this program, the pitch was simple. Hey, do you want to learn more about global context? Are you interested in learning and sharing about others' educational experiences while sharing yours? Come join our organization. Um, and I kind of, you know, seeing seeing this shift from locally, but also in policy domestically, I think that's what cemented um, uh, my application and myself as an applicant. Uh, but I'm 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 sure uh, uh, there there are plenty of more factors that go into consideration. Awesome! Well, con- <laughs> congratulations on uh, you know winning the scholarship. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more. Uh, Thank you. Area, so uh, Thank keep you. up keep up the great work. So, Adam, I'm going to switch gears now and talk about your medical sciences experience. Um, tell me about that. What, what's that program been like? And tell us maybe what it entailed and, um, you know, in the classroom, outside of the classroom, and then we can talk where you're going with that. Yeah, of course. Um, I can always, you know, talk great about the medical sciences program. Um, has given me a lot, you know, the, um, Dr. Menon, um, Sean Atkins, um, the current advisors, they've, you know, guided me through a lot. Uh, my peers, um, my roommates, my friends who are, who are also part of the medical sciences program have helped the professors, just a countless, um, endless support network, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But to kind of give like an overview of where uh, I see the program uh, succeeding within students is the idea of mentorship. And I know mm-hmm. I've talked a lot of mentorship a lot about in this interview, but it's very true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, freshman year, I was matched with an upperclassman mentor. So someone in their second, third or fourth year uh, who mm-hmm. can really guide me, you know, what classes to take or like what activities should I get involved in? Or here's mm-hmm. my interests. What activities on campus sh- should I get involved in? Um, mm-hmm. a, faculty men- a faculty mentor, so someone already working at the College of Medicine. Um, mm-hmm. In research, you know, here's what uh, my background's in, here's what I'd like to give, get involved in. Um, and also a, um, a medical uh, school mentor, so someone who is already within um, UC Com, um, mm-hmm. UC's College of Medicine. So yeah. I'd say the program's focus on mentorship is very, very valuable just because a lot of the content, a lot of what I've learned, um, a lot of the opportunities I learned about happened through word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. They may not necessarily be advertised. Uh, and a lot of this is simply based on talking with others. So for the mm-hmm. medical science program to emphasize that mentorship from year one 
it's really important. And I think your um, other other facets of the program uh, are truly the support network. You know, if you have an interest, um, and if you talk with you know your advisor, the advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Dr. Men is a great support. Um, if you talk with them about you know your interests and stuff, they always have opportunities or they always have a connection mm-hmm. um, who can make it happen, who can make it possible. Um, and I think this, you know, a lot of these professors, they take time out of their uh, their day to ensure you know students' well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think there is a great sense of community among students in the program um, mm-hmm. when we're studying together. We, you know, always make sure we each succeed. So that in itself is something, you know, sometimes rare to find within a program where, you know, everyone's really uh, uh, going to be applying to graduate school. So being able to foster that has been such an enormous um, advantage of the uh, program. I think finally, something I just want to touch on is the coursework. Mm -hmm. I will say the coursework is really interesting. So a lot of these professors, they also teach at the medical school. Um, and having been able to take, uh, currently taking physiology, uh, human medical genetics, inborn errors to biochemistry, and having been being able to take these courses um, this semester and previous semesters, I took um, integrative gut health. Anyways, like a, a countless array of uh, courses within the medical school, you start you know, thinking as a healthcare professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, is one of the advantages because, uh, sure you can gain that clinical experience outside of, uh, coursework, but being able to kind of see a resemblance mm-hmm. between the courses, the knowledge that you'll be gaining within medical school and having a watered down version of it in our bachelor degree um, is just so, so valuable. Um, you know, you feel prepared um, and it also gives you um, more insight. I mean, the, the classes are very, truly interesting. I find myself synthesizing information from one class to the next. Programs really focus on like tying everything together. Yeah. Now, what, what about, um, what about um, sort of outside the class? What, what kind of co-op, what kind of uh, hands-on stuff have you done? Yeah, so... Um, more uh, medically related, um, I have worked as a uh, student researcher in a basic science lab um, mm-hmm. in the Cincinnati Children's Hospital as part mm-hmm. of the neurology department with um, Dr. Matthew Skelton. Um, and uh, I, I've learned a lot through that experience because uh, one thing that I will say research has taught me is that the importance of patience, the import- importance of uh, follow through. Um, mm-hmm. But the experience itself was really interesting because it helped um, with critical thinking. You know, when yeah. you're designing an experiment, what sort of considerations are needed um, to make sure that experiment is successful, to make sure that's ethical, that um, you are making sure that your results are valid. Um, other experiences that the medical science program introduced me with is that um, the early intervention program, and mm-hmm. this has been you know a big part of my career, of my college career. I've been at um, uh, EIP or no, also known as the early intervention program for around two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually ended my job in November, but um, I went. I've been there for around two years, 
And mm-hmm. what the program is about is that um, as a health promotion advocate or early intervention specialist, you mm-hmm. can talk with patients about their mental health, about mm-hmm. their sexual health, about um, substance use issues. And mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, stigmatized topics, um, they might be difficult for the patient to talk about. So to receive, you know, that um, training on how to motivationally interview someone, um, yeah. how to, you know, share that to leave room for silence. Um, those are, you know, very important traits to have, um, much less as a physician, but as a person, you know, when you're talking with people about these sensitive topics or mm-hmm. about these issues within uh, one person or the other, it's really good to have a great understanding of how to act, how to respond, how to be empathetic, how to be there for them. Uh, and something else that the early intervention program taught me, again, both of these um uh, opportunities were connected to me from people within the medical sciences program. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, MedSci pr- places a huge emphasis on experiential learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so really learning, you know, uh, through experience on the job, making it uh, much more than, you know, the coursework that you have in class, being able to envision yourself as a physician you want to be with the qualities that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of go back to the importance of EIP, is that a lot of the times um, medical providers, you know, the physicians, the nurses, the medical staff within these hospitals, I, I specifically worked in the emergency room, within mm-hmm. the emergency room, they are already limited. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of providing that social care when um, we're able to link uh, patients to uh, facilities that treat HIV or to treat Hep C mm-hmm. uh, or to treat substance use disorder, um, mm-hmm. That takes a load off of the medical providers and is mm-hmm. equally as beneficial to patients because a lot of the times it's much more beneficial to treat the root causes of mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, of course, uh, medically assisted care and integrative care go hand in hand, but it really is based off of what the patient wants. So um, kind of playing a hand in that. Um, helped me realize the importance of uh, social care that goes along with medical care. And to kind of um, talk a little bit more about uh, what I learned at my time at EIP and what I learned more about the healthcare system is that I learned that hospitals, you know, the healthcare system in itself offers a lot of resources that only need to be leveraged um, for the patients to receive their care. To quickly mm-hmm. provide a quick an example of that um, is that I remember working there, I would talk to a lot of patients about financial aid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, patients would sometimes say like, hey, like uh, my mental health is stressed because right now I have, I'm in a period of financial instability mm-hmm. and they would uh, be uninsured. Um, however, if you go to Ohio Medicaid and you uh, kind of input uh, the parameters, you know, asking the qu- the questions uh, such as like, what is your income? Do you have any dependents? Those types of questions is that they would qualify for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So again, they, they would just not be, they would still be uninsured, but they would qualify for Medicaid when you put in the parameters on, on um, Ohio Medicaid's database. Mm-hmm. So, you know, taking that information, it's okay. Now the problem is now we just have to get you connected. So Mm -hmm. I was able to start this program that uh, ensured that patients knew the first steps to getting um, connected to insurance. It all can't be done in the hospital. 
you do yeah. need some um, documents such as your uh, driver's license, um, uh, proof of uh, uh, bills, employment, um, in, in certain circumstances. Um, uh, but anyways, you needed a lot of information. So just getting them on the starting path to get insurance, explaining the process to them, explaining how much it would help uh, for them to you know, use this insurance to get connected to a primary care provider rather than going to the emergency room um, if, they, if they experience sickness. So um, overall, just a huge realization that um, it's equally as important to uh, use existing resources, leverage those existing re- resources to improve the health um, that people uh, deserve, um, just mm-hmm. as, you know, creating new initiatives, creating new innovations to do the same. So um, kind of this idea of unity where we, you know, th- I'd say throughout all my experiences, really try to connect institutions with the people that they serve. In your own case, have, you know, you, you, you've decided to pursue medicine eventually, right? After graduating, yeah. you said maybe after a couple of years. Um, what was it about the program that sort of helped you do that? Did it just reinforce your passion and interests and your own abilities? Yeah, so I think um, the program does a great job at uh, understanding the uh, variety of professions in the healthcare field. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say specifically the program you know pushed me towards medicine um, over dentistry or over over you know other health professions. I yeah. think it was just uh, kind of my experience talking with uh, people who do the work that I want to do. So I have a great mentor here at. Um, College of Medicine. Um, her name's Dr. Shanna Stryker. Um, mm-hmm. Again, a great mentor, but she is really at the forefront of uh, refugee health here in Cincinnati, where, mm-hmm. you know, she's a clinician. She practices also um, different public health measures um, and is part of a few uh, coalitions that work on um, uh, improving policy or rethinking um, refugee health in the city. So, you know, kind of seeing the ability of a, uh, a physician to occupy uh, all of these hats when it comes to refugee health. And again, I'm not saying you can't do the same with a dental degree. Um, oral health care is, you know, one of the most important public health needs uh, abroad and uh, domestically. Uh, but I think I found myself uh, more fitting um, with uh, that medical degree. So let's uh, move ahead a bit and let's talk a little bit about your Bourne Scholarship and the Critical Language Scholarship. What were those and what do they mean to you? Yeah, so both of the scholarships focus more on uh, language study. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Bourne Scholarship is more self-curated. So you choose a country, um, you choose uh, a budget, you choose a program to study at, but both of them are truly intense uh, language study. I mean, by intense, you're in classes for around four hours a day. You have uh, two to three hours of homework afterwards. Um, but uh, to start off with the Bourne Scholarship, uh, I initially applied my sophomore year and got accepted 
um, later that sophomore year. Um, mm-hmm. And I applied for Jordan. So I was in Jordan to study Arabic for yeah. um, like three to four months. Um, what ended up happening with COVID-19 is that no one was allowed to study Arabic um, under yeah. the Bourne Scholarship. Um, and I found out I was going to Oman uh, about a week before I bought my ticket um, where, where I, I had headed off to uh, Oman and uh, studied Arabic there. Um, one thing I do want to say about a lot of these um, study abroad uh, programs is that they really connect the uh, content versus the context. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can learn a lot about these countries online. You can, you know, uh, I guess quick fun fact, Oman is the only country that starts with an O. Um, <laughs> but you can learn you can learn a lot about, you know, uh, the countries, their policies, kind of like what issues may be. Um, of importance um, by reading it online, but the context provides, um, you know, more more to the story. Um, and I I think a great example of that would be to explain my time in Morocco, mm-hmm. where um, I knew you know Morocco was a uh, gateway for immigration into Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, prior you know prior to going. Um, but when we're there, you know, there are some incidents, incidences on the news where, um, you know, some migrants uh, passed away in the stampede um, as they were trying to go into Spain. And I guess to provide more context, there are uh, two uh, cities on the coast of Morocco that actually mm-hmm. belong to Spain. So yeah. some migrants were, you know, trying to cross those borders and they're, they're called Suta and Melilla for um, anyone interested, but for any migrant who's trying to uh, cross those those borders, unfortunately, um, there were around, I believe, um, 20 or so who passed away, which is very sad news, but it kind of reshapes the, uh, like the refugee issue, the um, refugee crisis, I mean, um, and the issue of immigration and how it looks like globally. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having this context is so valuable because then we're able to, you know, bring it back to the states, um, add to the story, you know, bring awareness to these issues um, as we come back here. Uh, another thing that I would say is invaluable about both experiences is that college truly is a bubble. I think that, you know, a lot of my friends, they really support the work that I do. Um, I equally support their, their work. But college is truly a bubble in the sense that you don't really hear opinions that differ from yours. Or you may mm-hmm. not hear um, uh, opinions directly around you. Sure. Um, so going abroad, you're actually able to experience, uh, you know, people who might be totally against your issue. And it's important to have these conversations. It's really important to engage with those who completely disagree with you, to have those impossible conversations, just because it helps you grow stronger in your beliefs. It can reinforce your beliefs. At the sure. same time, it can make you critically think about your beliefs. My question hey, like, why do you believe what you believe? Um, and having, you know, constantly critically thinking is a great trait to have, it, regardless um, of how uh, strong you feel about any issue. Um, it's always great to consider the other side and understand why the person thinks what they think, um, just because you can use that to, you know, strengthen your own persuasive argument. So I was able to have a few of those interactions while abroad, um, but overall, I found, you know, a beauty within the Arabic language. Uh, I guess to provide more, more context, um, 
I was always fluent in understanding, but was never fluent in speaking or mm-hmm. writing or reading or Arabic. And mm-hmm. both experiences really cemented that, um, cemented that writing um, and reading and obviously speaking. And uh, just provide a quick funny story. Uh, before uh, I would, uh, before the pandemic, I would go to Egypt pretty much annually uh, mm-hmm. to visit my, uh, you know, my relatives and mm-hmm. my cousins would always make fun of me in Arabic. They would always say, you know, make fun of me like, oh, he doesn't understand us or anything. And I tell them like in English, yo, I understand you. They wouldn't take me seriously. So, you know, just maybe that was the inspiration for me to learn. But um, in all honesty, it was um, because a lot of uh, uh, persons migrating from the area um, happened to be uh, refugees. It was a big population to communicate with. So mm-hmm. spending that like intense time studying modern standard Arabic um, uh, allows me to, you know, communicate with pretty much the whole region. Sure. Um, because there's so many different dialects. I'll tell you right now that, you know, um, at the Moroccan dialect, the Dedija, uh, sounds completely, like, completely different than pretty much all of the rest of the uh, dialects of the other Arab countries. But yeah, mm-hmm. great experience, uh, very intense in um, language study. Um, I saw huge gains, uh, I guess, to provide some context, you know, uh, my five months studying in both countries probably equivalent uh, to around two years of hmm. language study. So um, there is always huge gains when, you know, study the host, host uh, you study the language in a country that speaks it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. I mean, you know, what is also very interesting is that you mentioned that in high school, you, you were, you know, you were interested in languages or you took a few language courses, but it somehow didn't stick. But um you know, a few years later, mm. you were deep into um, Arabic. So, Adam, the, the question I want to ask you next is, where are you headed? I mean, you are about to graduate. Um, yeah. yeah double majoring. And yeah. Um, what happens next? What do you, how do the next few years look like? Or what do the next few years look like? Yeah, so I'm still um, waiting for a few things to stick, but I hope um, to continue uh, my time abroad. Uh, I applied for a Fulbright scholarship earlier in the year, and I heard back as a, of a couple of weeks ago that I was announced as a fi- finalist. Um, awesome. To research. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, to research refugee health in Jordan. And it kind of shows us continuity Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of myself to say that, like, I built, you know, Arabic, uh, enough Arabic proficiency to conduct, um, research, uh, abroad and, you know, continue the extensive research that I've done within refugee health literacy locally, but now mm-hmm. do it abroad. Um, so that's, that's one of the options that we're still waiting on. And, um, I'm also looking to apply into working in the government, um, sector, um, specifically the department of, uh, of health and human human services, mm-hmm. um, and um, also USAID, but um, you know, with those applications, you usually have to wait a while before you hear back. Um, but you know, those two couple options, I you know, in my gap years, I really hope to garner more knowledge about refugee health, learn more about um, policy, or learn more about um, uh, how uh, these issues look like abroad. I've had 
some chance to do it uh, in my undergrad, but doing it postgrad with you know more time, more intensity um, will just be much more valuable. Um, and then after that, hopefully applying to medical school um, in residency and then being able to continue this work as a physician, who, a policymaker who connects the uh, you know the findings, you know the conversations that they have with patients, um, mm-hmm. into policy changes within the community. I think that you know, um, oftentimes there can be a disconnect or a gap when you have an administrative role. So being able to have those one-on-one conversations with patients, being able to have those um, those understanding uh, with with the community, what the needs are, and then being able to then create. Uh, policy changes or public health interventions uh, that's that's just as invaluable fantastic i mean i think uh, you have a lot to look forward to and uh, i wish you all the luck and the best then we're going to start winding down but before we do that i would like you to give some advice to high schoolers you know folks who uh, you were in their shoes not so long ago. Um, how should they look at the call at college, and what should they be thinking about? What's important? Yeah, so I think um, the first thing is that you should feel excited about college. I know um, when entering college, I uh, always had like a lot of doubts, like, oh, it's it's such a new experience, such a new environment, a new space. I have a lot of time. Um, and really use that first year to explore with intentionality. And I would say explore um, through your identities, you know, see what identities mean the most to you and mm-hmm. find an organization, uh, start an organization uh, or find an initiative, find someone uh, within your community, within your circle um, that you can really delve into that identity much, mm-hmm. much deeper. Um and I also think uh, there's value in exploring things outside of your field. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my study abroads um, were simply focused on language learning, you know, really trying to strengthen uh, my Arabic, even though uh, my primary major is, you know, medical sciences, really taking a step back and looking at uh, the humanitarian side of healthcare by studying philosophy. You know, there are a lot of ethical questions that come within life? How can we answer those? Or even psychology, um, looking at um, uh, the importance of mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. So kind of specializing a little bit there. But, you know, being open to new things, putting yourself out there, um, and really being excited. And then for, you know, high schoolers who are entering college or who are um, uh, thinking about college, I think college is a great time where you can uh, switch your interests. Uh, I have been set on dentistry for about all four years of high school, first year of college, and I found myself switching just because I found it fit better with my values. And I found that um, it would allow me to uh, do the work that I envision myself doing. So again, being open to change, um, being open to uh, strengthening your identities. Um, And finally, I would say uh, really reflecting. So reflecting on how uh, high school has impacted you, what you would like to see 
um, yourself being college um, and kind of, you know, uh, pushing yourself to be the person that you want to be. Awesome. So, Adam, um, this has been just a wonderful conversation, just amazing. You're an amazing young man with a lot, lot to look forward to. And I wish you all the success in all the stuff that you're doing and the passion and energy that you bring to it. So I hope you continue doing that and definitely want to keep in touch and see where you go. But for right now, take care, be safe, and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed sharing a few of my experiences. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Adam Elzorka on his undergraduate journey at the University of Cincinnati. Adam's college experience captures the breadth and the depth of what colleges have to offer. He went deep into medical sciences, followed by experiential learnings in the hospitals. He immersed himself in languages and cultures through the critical language scholarships. Adam's commitment to mentoring and supporting refugees through a customized set of solutions earned him the Truman Scholarship. He plans to pursue refugee health issues and medicine. I hope Adam's story inspires you to explore the University of Cincinnati for your own undergraduate journey. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash almamatters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College matters. Alma Alma matters. matters.